Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that is weary of any bright red light. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, our Summer of Slasher series continues as we ask what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real as we talk 2009's video slasher, Laid to rest. But before we get in that, let me remind you we're part of the Boom Howdy Podcast Network. Boom Howdy. You can find all of our past episodes at boomhowdy.com, or the easiest way to listen is to simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your coffin hole. And don't forget, if you are on social media, you can follow along our shenanigans. Uh, we are on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And don't forget, again, on Facebook, you can find all of our events yeah. and here in the summer months we are going to be busy in fact this episode is released on june 14th uh the very next night june 15th it's not necessarily a horror film but has a lot of horror elements into it uh at the alamo draft house we are uh, going to be hosting a screening of conan the barbarian what is best in life genius <laughs> the crush your enemies driven before you and hear the lamentation of the women. That is good. That is good. Uh, please come and check it out. It is going to be a good time. And that's actually going to be the very first film we ever hosted at yeah. the Draft House was... And Conan the Barbarian. So it's been quite a long time. We've gone around the Wheel of Pain. This is finally our full our full, full first rotation around. Then join us for the after party at the Temple of Set. Yes. And, it's, <laughs> so, and it will be paradise. But no, definitely check it out. because that's stew. It's ew, ew. Definitely a lot of finger food will be strewn about there. No, we have a good time with that one. So please come and check it out. We are going to have a good time with that. And ultimately, hell, you could even call Conan a slasher. Could yeah. you not? Duh. <laughs> yeah. He's Conan the Contemplator, Conan the Slasher. Right. Uh, that's the beauty of it. But that's what's kind of fun with the whole Summer of Series that we're doing here is that we are exploring all of our favorite slasher films, mm-hmm. be they classics, be they ones we've seen a bazillion times, or in this case... One that I couldn't even say, I've seen that. Right. Because when you introduced this to me, I was like, wait, what is that? And we are talking about 2009's Laid to Rest. Mm-hmm. This one is a mean, mean movie. So when we put together our initial kind of our playlist or the ones, you know, films that we wanted to talk about during the summer of series, what was it that brought this one out for you, genius? Well, I think this is one that like I happenstance just kept caught on TV, but this is a good like modern day slasher. You know, there's a lot of always going to have love for the big guys, you know, always love for the Freddies and the Jasons and Leatherfaces. But this is one that when I first saw, I'm like, this is a good like new character, even though it's the same slasher tropes. 
it brings something interesting and another visual presence to the table. And this is one that I was not at all familiar with. Like I said, with a lot of a lot of times with a lot of films based on just the, the where all we can say, like we say, we've seen that. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I wasn't familiar at all. And the fact that this actually has a sequel yeah. as well. I was dumbfounded, and I'll be honest, this is a film initially, if you would have shown me the VHS box back in the day, if I would have seen the trailer, especially considering the time it came out, I would have probably bypassed it. Mm-hmm. You would have just dismissed? I really would have, and and that's just, again, it's not saying I don't dislike anything within, and I know it's a very easy label, but the whole torture porn thing, right? but that whole that aesthetic just it's not my thing yeah just gore for gore's sake i mean there's a place there's a time and place for that and of if course. that and if that's your bag cool but if you don't want that at that particular time i can totally see where like like i can't like you know what i'm in the mood for hostile and you know sometimes i am and sometimes i ain't you know so i could totally see that and especially like because it's it's just it's, you just see chrome skull right there and just the blade and the shaky cam and the metal music and just like ah. well it immediately starts off like what i call kind of the green screen effect where it's just everything is bathed in the green the hues the mm-hmm. light and you just have that dour kind of feel and you get the hyper editing that real yeah. kinetic feel initially i was like uh oh is this going to be one of those films cuz going back to 2009 into our into the mouth of march madness tournament uh we we viewed and talked the collector mm-hmm. which i feel owes this film a lot of similarities yeah. in terms of the overall aesthetic. And ultimately, I liked The Collector, but it's not a film that I fell in love with. So initially, when that kicked off, I was like, oh, oh damn it, genius. What, what what kind of film did you get me into? Because <laughs> I defended The Collector as well. Absolutely. And, so, and well, you know, for the most part, our taste in general is across the board yeah, usually pretty, similar. Mm-hmm. Be it modern horror, I will say we definitely defer on quite right. a bit. But ultimately, a lot of the stuff from 2009 on back... We usually have pretty similar tastes, but also the fact that, again, this is a film that is celebrating 10 years of horror. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did we even mention this as an honorable mention I'm, in our selection episode? I don't. I think I might have. I'm like, shout out to Chrome Skull. And then like that, maybe that's about it. Okay. This is one of those ones that like, unless you, this is not even horror 101. This is like horror 303. This is like deep like, cuts. Like I said, and I I feel like I'm pretty attuned to horror, but I'll admit it, I'm pretty, I've got a lot of holes in my modern horror viewing. Again, you can't see them all, you know? And I don't have the time, unfortunately, exactly. to invest like I used to back in the day. Because that's the one thing you always forget, is you had disposable time back in the day. Nowadays, there's so much competing for your time mm-hmm. that you end up spending the entirety of your time looking for something when back in the day, you would just pick something and you'd be oh, go with go. it. Yeah. Because you had one limited option. A movie doesn't take an hour and a half anymore. It takes three hours because it takes, it's a two hour long movie and then an hour trying to figure out what it is. Well, you know what? Bonus points to lay to rest for being a nice, lean 90 minute film. Yes, exactly. And, and that's a good time limit for a slasher because a slasher, you don't want to get too much because you're like, okay, lather, rinse, repeat what you got new. And again, with new slashers, that's another thing that you get. What kind of stuff can you bring to the table to separate you from the old school well we already have freddie and jason you know what else you got well let's go to the three g's then uh we're going to start with our gimmick and in this Mm -hmm. case man this one is all over the board with the Mm -hmm. gimmick because it does give you you mentioned the distinct chrome skull look yeah in fact the 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 sequel is titled isn't it titled called chrome skull right to rest too 
Yeah. So like the, Rambo. It's well. Yeah. We get into a really well. No, we'll get to the. We will get to the Rambo <laughs> yeah, connection the here in connection. a minute. The, ra- the rainbow connection. Yeah. Well, we'll someday, someday we'll find we'll it. Find it. <laughs> no, but ultimately the gimmick on this one is his look. It is very distinct. It mm-hmm. is the chrome. It's in the. It's not <laughs> no false advertising with right. this one. It is as it looks, and it's definitely distinct. But it does have almost an, a sheen to it, I guess. And I guess it's appropriate given the, I mean, like literal aesthetic of everything. Mm-hmm. He's an imposing figure. I mean, if you're going to have a, a masked villain chasing you, make it scary, you know, and he's scary. Well, he also, he borderlines, though, a little bit on Jason. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would almost go like Jason X territory, mm-hmm. like the Uber Jason. Mm-hmm. So I had almost like... um skeletron or black mask from the batman canon you know i can if, see that because he's dressed classy like if J- it's jason wick oh i like that's that. what it is it's a classy jason because he's in a suit he's in a suit all black suit but he's a big like imposing ass figure with this metal skull face you still see his bald head and you still see that he's human and that's the thing there's that distinct definition and the mm-hmm. difference you know, b- between the skull and then the actual human at because this ultimately what i really liked about it is he is truly human mm-hmm. like he is shown yeah. as taking punishment and actually it is affecting him so i kind of like that mm-hmm. uh, but ultimately the other thing on the gimmick i liked was again the whole video aspect of this mm. something the fear that, technology the, again oh being spied on this is like if um cronenberg did uh, silver you know sliver <laughs> back in the day there we go oh, no. with sharon stone and one of the baldwins because he's sporting and i even mentioned it, it was like bad predator cosplay but he's got his little like camera mounted uh the shoulder mounted camera that is just constantly viewing <laughs> over here <laughs> That's all we were missing. Hell, uh, spoiler alert, he like all of the predator actually performed surgery on himself mm-hmm. which with each and every wound which to me made the predator connection like that much more. I was like, "Really?" Yeah. Like, is that because did you see that at all? I did totally like the whole like, ah, and again, it shows that he's human. Plus, like the predator, he had that communication like want some candy. He fucked with he talked to and fucked with the protagonist. And he does. He doesn't really. Uh, does he speak at all throughout the film? Because it's all through the phone. Mm-hmm. It's all through the phone. And so, all through the like text, mm-hmm. like text to speech. Well, that's what's interesting. He's a nonverbal you know, uh, antagonist, but it has to be then his visual look. And obviously it's all there, mm-hmm. but it's then those nonverbal things I think that make it really effective as well. And like I said, it's all about, he's constantly filming these people and it's just that point of view. So it, that in and of itself is kind of uneasy and definitely something you saw a lot of in that millennia in that era of yeah. horror. But it's interesting, like you said, he's filming everybody, but the mayhem stops when the battery runs low or like, oh, out of tape. I got to stop. Hold on right there, you know, and you can't help because he's going to fucking kill you because you've got nowhere else to go. He is mean as shit, but he's like, I'll be right back. You know, (laughs) he understands film is time. Time Mm -hmm. is money. Exactly. Cut. Yeah. He he (laughs) needs to be a one one shot, you know, one shot kind of (laughs) guy. One cut of the dead. (laughs) One cut of the chrome skull. But ultimately, the other gimmick then is the weapon in which he chooses to kill. And Mm -hmm. obviously with Freddy, you have the glove. Jason, you have the machete. My goodness, with chrome skull, he gets this really weird like if uh, Buddy Ravel from three o'clock high Mm -hmm. and Rambo. And all of they just had like a really weird Cronenberg experience between the brass knuckles and that survival knife. You yeah. get his his dagger here. Sharpened and chromed out. So like you have the brass knuckles and they were like had like spikes on them, too. So they're like braided brass knuckles and and had the, just that 
awesome ass knife. And he had like a few of them, didn't he? Because he would like fuck somebody up. He had a case. I think he had multiple versions of them, but yeah. I'm pretty sure for the most part, the aesthetic was very same. It had the serrate, the serrated edge, you mm-hmm. know, not necessarily for breads per se, but <laughs> you know, if you want to really get through there and give them the Colombian necktie, the French Ugh. loaf. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so gnarly, so gnarly. But ultimately, the thing that made me kind of laugh is just his constant need of the camera. It's just like if someone was like obsessed and want to become like the Dean Cundy of serial slashers, <laughs> you know, ultimately it's like everything I shoot is going to look glorious and gold. The perfect shot, you know, the perfect slice. The lighting is always going to be magnificent. (laughs) Well, that's what immediately I realized it wasn't a Dean Cundy shot. You know, it's just immediately when you open up with the green. But hey, you know, some people can strive for that. If it's not Dean Cundy, it's someone else Dean, out there. Dean Cromby. The Roger Deacons of the, uh, the, again, the slasher serials out there. But then the other then G we have here is the gore. Mm-hmm. And again, so many different levels of gore that you have. I will say this. The one thing that really stood out for me with this viewing. And also, this is one of the rare times where we watch a film and then immediately record an episode afterwards. We mm-hmm. rarely do that. Yeah. So when was the last time you actually saw this? Because this is my first viewing. Yeah, it was maybe about four or five years ago. I okay. was like, I'm going to watch something. And I know I wasn't in the mood for a slasher. Right. And I, this is one that I know that I like. And yeah. so. Well, ultimately, the thing that really stood out to me is the gore in this. And because yeah, it, it's crazy gory. It's very gory. But it there looked like there was a nice combination of practical, mm-hmm. but also a little CGI and digital just enhancements yeah. and yes enhancements because listen we we fully admit that you can really become over reliant on cg right be it especially on like um when you get to the good old-fashioned wordage yes and, the, and the, gore the squibs, and the squibs. <laughs> yeah like especially verhoven's back in the day there was just something extra gooier with those mm-hmm. but the good old-fashioned practical effects well this film when the kills come Man, oh man! Yeah, they're surprising kills, they, and they're mean. They are kills again in two thousand and nine. If you go back to our uh, episode, we talked about the fact that just the culture and the climate in general mm-hmm. really, really breeded a lot of material like this that was just mean. And just Angry. because, yes, because there was just so much nastiness going on at the time that, of course, it comes out in the horror films. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when when the people die in this film, it's not campy. It is just downright mean, and the gore level, and it's uh, the company that did it, their name is uh, Almost Human, and good lord, next level nastiness. Yeah, and it's not just like the slasher and the kill gore, like uh, the head wound that she showed off of gore. Uh, the creepy dead body was was the aftermath of gore. Yeah, the af- the whole like carnage when like again spoilers when <laughs> when you go into the barn of death and you just see like this graveyard of like hundreds of people just all chopped up and sliced well and it's funny the fact that we are almost you know 15 minutes in and we haven't talked about the plot because that was the thing that it took me quite a while to figure out what was really happening Mm -hmm. because like you said we open up with such a crazy chaotic image the editing that when we finally gang our bearings it almost like with the protagonist we're kind of figuring out what's going on because at the beginning you get that like and again kind of indicative of that time period the whole shaky fast cam like fast edits and fast camera angles again with the loud music and Mm -hmm. very disorientating but for this at first you're like okay i've seen this type of slasher before you know sexy teens in the woods and some rah you know but it wasn't until like you see, like, later on, like, okay, it was disorientating because they're putting you in the protagonist's mm-hmm. shoes because she doesn't know what's going on either. And you just open with the, 
you introduce her within just that box with just the one light going and I'm like, okay, where is this going? This is an interesting, interesting little tale of terror. It almost uh, almost a reverse memento, if you mm-hmm. will, because you ultimately at the very, very end through again, the advent of video, do, does she finally realize where she came from? And yeah. man, you want to talk about something I wasn't anticipating initially. That was definitely it. Uh, but let's go a little bit into the cast here because this came out in 2009. Two years before a little episode, uh, you know, a, a show came along that you mm-hmm. and the Media Rewind podcast covered. Uh, but uh, Lena Headley here in this film, mm-hmm. little Cersei, yes. little Cersei Lannister, she chose violence. Southern in- Cersei, Southern Cersei. Yeah, she's like, well, I don't know if we should keep her because she's just, a- she might be a prostitute. You know, it was just great to see Cersei as just like this, like just wife, just everyday wife. But man, whoo. She got it good. Yeah, and she's playing a, 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 a little opposite of Kevin Gage, mm-hmm. who initially gave me a strong kind of Stone Cold vibe, but you even said... It's Horace Pinker. He's got yep. a Horace Pinker, so it's Stone Cold Horace Pinker. <laughs> That's what it is. Can I get a, you know, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> right? <laughs> he like, here comes Crow's skull. He points at him, hits him with the cane, and then... Gets two beer bottles and like sprays at him. That's frightening. That is ultimately frightening. <laughs> and again, go back to our uh, episode when we talked about doing the Freddy, but you know, ultimately doing the Pinker is a little pinker. bit easier. <laughs> but uh, Kevin Gage, we went when we went to the IMDb here. He ultimately played a character named Wayne Grow in uh, Michael Mann's Heat, mm-hmm. and Wayne Grow was that crazy serial killer. That was exiled from uh, Robert De Niro's crew. That wound up like snitching on everybody. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he also has a very strong presence. In fact, that's actually what surprised me initially was not that I really truly truly cared for the characters, but it, and I think with bad slasher films, sometimes you find yourselves rooting for the characters to be killed. Right. And that's one thing. Don't get me wrong. Right. But with a lot of the ones nowadays, and I kind of want to grow to care for a lot of the characters. And in, in, in this case, I did for the most part. Yeah. I, that's the one thing. Like, there's one thing with fodder. And then there's one thing with, like, characters you care about. Because, like, even when they bring more characters in... At times you think they're fodder, like when when Roach appears. You know, oh. when the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh no, they're gonna kill Roach because they have in millions of other movies." And you this know? is film film is filled with people that of the I that person, that mm-hmm. guy, that gal, Sean Whalen, who a lot of you know as from the people under the stairs. Yeah, Roach, and then the, the Amen Burke, and of course as that guy. Yeah, both of them have a hard time talking, regardless. <laughs> But also the, the one of the joys of not knowing necessarily a lot about the film and the joys of watching this film with many people is when something like with Richard Lynch comes up on the screen <laughs> and that elicits a, oh yeah, all right, excellent, excellent, let's go. I, I did not realize Richard Lynch, you know, lended his talents to this film. Yeah, <laughs> a little touch of goolery. <laughs> you know what? He played a part. He played it well, yeah, even into the 2009s. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. It gives the film an era of gravitas. Because he shows up. Okay, again, spoilers. You show up, he just shows up for two seconds. You're like, okay, there's Richard Lynch. Okay, bye, Richard Lynch. <laughs> he goes out you know? pretty quickly. Again, you think you see this as fodder, but then it's not until later on uh, that you realize actually what was going on on all the different like layers, especially with Richard Lynch's character. And also, again, revealed through video as mm-hmm. well. Like That's the entirety of this film. That, Like I said, there's like some weirdly Cronenberg kind of questions going on with our relationship with technology that I think could really be explored, but I think it is more just of a gimmick than yeah. anything. But now looking at today's day and age, man, it's oddly prescient. Mm-hmm. You know, you replace the video now with your camera phone and you got the same thing. Exactly. And, th- and that, that's another thing. The, the technology is failing us. Nobody has a phone. Nobody has a phone. Like, well, well, 
And even Lena Headley was honestly, I guess, like, you know, our phone okay. was shut off last month. We don't use it anyway. We didn't so, use it anyway. Right? Like, so Atlanta sure doesn't always pay all these debts, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so nobody has the phone and they go over to Roach's house and, like, hey, let's use the phone. And he's like, I don't, I don't have a phone, but I got a computer. Even better. So, again, and it doesn't work because the ineptitude of everybody, the cops. Well, this is also a film that's also all about desolation. Because yeah. when we open up with, and again, she's credited as the girl. Uh, but Bob, Bobby Sue Luther in this film is really good across the board as our final girl, if mm-hmm. you will. And because there's just so much mystery behind it that we don't know where we are with along with her and we're in just such a weird place that without telephones without those modern conveniences even in 2009 that's fairly terrifying in and of itself yeah and that's another thing i like about this movie is we're dropped along exactly when the action is going on you know we have no clue what's going on just like bobby sue so whenever she's finding out we're finding out more we don't know nothing about anything else it wasn't like any origin of chrome skull or anything oh, like yeah, that no. and that's one thing i kind of like like we talked about in the john wick episode where on media rewind where we you're just thrust into the action and okay go from here keep up or just or sink or swim you know and that's what i liked about it because it got more complex and more interesting as the movie kept going at least for me so and that's the thing like i said ultimately i ended up caring for a lot of the characters and that leads us to our our last g here uh but the gratuity of the film mm-hmm. one thing again in the slashers a lot of the times we see a lot of nudity and here we really didn't and the nudity we got was very yeah it was like dead body nudity the post-mortem nudity mm-hmm. so the, yeah if you're, that's your thing go for it right but, uh, but no <laughs> here we'll, at we'll nightmare junkhead we we do not condone that so <laughs> but again that's what you get in 2009 right like you know what the internet exists you can keep all that mm-hmm. here's what we're going to give you now it's gromy it's grimy it's in your face but the gratuity we got was the gore gratuity and the violence and the violence and it, it was mean-spirited violence where he fucks with like Roach's character he psychologically tortures everybody in this literally with his dead mother's corpse in a reveal almost like a weird killer clowns puppetry thing mm-hmm. with his dagger using her a la a puppet like a tourist trap it gave yes. me a tourist trap vibe that scene I did he's get like a- I'm getting out of here and I'm like I'm with you man I'd be the fuck out of there yeah there's a there's a lot going on with this particular film and my notes are all over the place here but ultimately like i said i'm glad ultimately i saw this film because it's one i wouldn't have sought out now have you seen the sequel not yet okay so that's one you have not seen but you own it right i own it it's one of those ones i mean i'm looking at it right now it's one of those ones that are still in the seal you know and i'm like okay cool because again shout out to vintage stock you know <laughs> well there's another thing in this particular film that i like it gives you that um kind of a slaughter in a police station scene mm-hmm. or the post slaughter in a police station scene of which i realized when that happened i was like man there's a lot of films that have, this is pulling from and just off the top of the bat this film actually i saw a lot of similarities with the terminator mm-hmm. especially the way it was shot oh yeah police station scene beyond there's a there's that final shot when she's in the little like fridge or freezer scene and she's got the little grate up in front of her to protect her and he's like 
Crawl. That's straight out of that scene when finally when she's like, you know, you're terminated effort, right? Mm-hmm. Like straight from that. And the fact that he has a chrome skull face, I mean, yeah. Completely. Um, Maniac Cop 2. Oh, absolutely. Now. With, with the gloves and the smoke behind him and all that. Yeah. Totally works. I was waiting um, for the rap. Uh, even, the, later, know, the later rest rap. The chrome skull rap. Yeah, there we go. It would have totally be done by like the Twisted Guys or ICP, I think. <laughs> uh, totally would be in their vein. Um, but even going like Halloween 5 mm-hmm. features that to the Hitcher as well. But there's a long standing tradition of these police station slaughters. Yeah. Um, I like the kill. You brought it up. Uh, I don't know if it's in your notes or not, but Chekhov's tire fillant. Oh, the tire fillant. Oh, my goodness. And that's what, after the second time it was brought up, I was like, okay, we are, it's got to come into play. It has to. It, brought, it was brought up like four or five times, like even from the very beginning. Like that scene, was, that scene was sowed a long time ago. It's like Roy in Friday Five. You talking about me, Sheriff? You talking, right. Me, Roy, you know, in the background? Is anyone talking about this tire fillant here? And poor Roach ultimately. Yeah, right? You know. Because he almost makes it to the very, very end. Because normally he's a disposable character and that's the one thing i get like like there's no real disposable characters in yeah, this I we mean, get equal time with for the most part yeah that you get to grow them and then they get killed in horrific horrific ways but but roach oh man that he, is some next level though and and again when you go back to these what are you bringing that's fresh to these slasher films because that's probably be especially in today's day and age mm-hmm. probably the hardest thing to do is what is the most creative way to kill someone now which i know sounds horrible but let's face it but these yeah, films are I mean, built around the kills they're mm-hmm. you know set pieces in of themselves and i think again a combination of cgi and practical especially when everything is just it's gnarly it's gory slimy g- just pouring out of the orifices like that's a that's a great kill and again <laughs> yeah. that was that, that was in my notes that was totally in there i um, also like the boyfriend you no know, the brother-in-law kill he i know he's fooling around my oh. sister you know <laughs> when he comes in and then he's like tell you what don't you worry about nothing i got here just just head gone took it's his face off completely off there is some like i said that's the gore that almost becomes a little bit more campy uh, uh, Ricky O, Turbo Kid, mm-hmm. Evil Deadish, but then it's also borderline on the mean because it's, it's not extremely because it's not exactly realistic. But then there are sometimes though it weeds into it because it so it's a really weird balance. But I would, but overall it's just it's mean. Just the a, bottom line, the violence and the gratuity in this, it's a next level film. It's what you'd see in two thousand and nine. Yeah, I mean it's that level of depravity, if you will. Yeah, it's if you don't know what you're going into for something called late to rest, Chrome Skull, you know. It's, yeah, especially after the five minutes. I think after the first, like, five minutes when she finally gets her faculties, if you're in for the ride by then, you're going to enjoy the ride that you're on. But ultimately, in the very end, when Chrome School gets his comeuppance. Holy smokes. The steps by that it takes. By Nerdlinger, by yes. Roach. Roach fucking saves the day. And it's through these, the seeds. And it's through these shenanigans, actually. <laughs> like, it's, and I'm not joking. If you rewatch, I don't know if you want to do this. It's kind of a horror in and of itself. But uh, Police Academy 2, their first assignment, <laughs> there is a gag in there. That is where they use epoxy and a guy's shampoo and the shenanigans ensue when his like fingers get stuck to his hair, right? That's immediately what ran through my line when they're lining his whole thing for his for his the glue on his face, mm-hmm. the epoxy, the spirit gum, if you will. And then ultimately when that happens, all I was anticipating was his little text message to just read, Mahoney, Mahoney. <laughs> because that's what uh, it was. It seemed Mahoney. like 
next level shenanigans yeah. weirdness. Shenanigans gone wrong. That bro- that glue bomb did work, Nerdlinger. <laughs> yes, it did. It was great. It's but it's it does kind of undo what you would anticipate. You would have expected initially maybe the girl to strike back somehow. Mm-hmm. But no, ultimately, it, it was that, again, s- the seed was planted long ago, and then it sowed all over his face, unfortunately. That was a gooey, gooey, gooey special effect. The special effects were really good in this movie. The kills were good. But when he was pulling his face completely off with the mask, it's just, and he's just sitting there fizzly. I was like, yeah. Well, the sound design worked really well. Like I said, mm-hmm. the level of gore achieved through the guys at, the guys and gals at Almost Human, my, my hat's off to them because... And and I would imagine, you know, more of a low budget film like that, you know, the success of the film is pretty much laid around those set pieces. Yeah. You know, they just happen and got they have some really good character actors to really fill in the pieces there. Because that's the other thing I think ultimately why I found myself caring more for the characters rather than just wanting them to die is they did populate with some people not only that I recognized, but are genuinely good actors. Yeah. And it's also scary to know that, like, in for example, you don't go into Crystal Lake. You don't, like, you don't go into <laughs> all these horrible places where you know there's terrible shit. But this guy's going up and down, just grabbing people. And, and then, well, it's ultimately built around the mortuary. And this is definitely goes into, falls into the, you know, the, the coffin scares, coffin horror, mortuary horror, mm-hmm. what have you, of where you find yourselves trapped in the place where the dead exist, where the dead rule. Play a good game, boy. Oh, we will get into that. Well, let's talk a little bit about Chrome Skull himself. Uh, Nick Principe is his name. Pretty good physical presence. Oh, yeah. He's a big physical presence. And he he's scary, just like this body movement, because he's big and he's confident and he's quick. Like when he samurais that girl, yeah, he's quick. He's, yeah. He knows what he does. The physicality worked. Uh, ultimately, where does does he even go into a level on not even the Mount Rushmore, but is he someone that could be viewing the Mount Rushmore? Because two films in, and I enjoyed the first one quite a bit, haven't seen the second, but I like that they are people are out there trying to introduce those old horror icons like mm-hmm. we had. But ultimately, and man, this is the roughest part for me, though. Sometimes do we need to hearken back to those times? Because we're going to explore another horror franchise that really reckons, you know, beckons back to the 80s as well. Yeah. But does this have but does this have enough enough like the 2009 sheen to separate it from that kind of classic, you know, aesthetic? I, I don't know. As it comes from the classic aesthetic, to put it like with, with the icons and mm-hmm. stuff, we have the Mount Rushmore and then maybe secondary and then maybe third it's like, like he's not round round mushroom but maybe like a city statue maybe possibly but you yeah, know what the, i'm the, saying the problem is though no one knows where the city is so That's no the problem. Is, is it? yeah exactly this is i think this is underseen by even horror uh, well when was the first time that you caught it because this was not like a no a theater screening no was it? this was like 2011 so like this was like on ifc okay it was it, it wasn't edited but i didn't catch it until like after the part where it was already, I guess, I don't want to say normalized, but it wasn't shaky cam and he, she wasn't trying to figure out something. It was like maybe 10 minutes into it. Sure. And so I came in, I watched it, and I was like, wow, this is a good movie. And so then I went back and looked back, and I'm like, this is a really good movie. And then vintage stock again, boom, two for one. So <laughs> so it worked nice out pull. good. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. It was a, it was. I think because Chrome Skull was a scary dude, there was some genuine like woo. Even though like, even though you would see the tropes coming and you knew it was a slasher movie, it was still some good jump scares, some good uh, like raw. And you didn't again, you didn't want to see the people go who went. Yeah. And 
I'll even argue a lot of the purposes of the scary movie is, you know, if you're if you're a couple out there, you know, is this a good date movie? To me, the the gore is a little bit too mean for it's, something like that. Well, it depends. <laughs> know your audience. <laughs> if, if, you th- if you think like if you think your date would dig this, then yes, absolutely. If you think your date because like, this. There's no like sex, there's no nudity, there's implied sex, and there's like all sorts of crazy violence, and there's like dead body nudity everywhere, but it's not like, you know, it's well, not I'm, a boy and his dog, you, you know, so, <laughs> so like, a boy and his cam. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, look out for the red light. Well, that's <laughs> the other thing. boy and his chrome, <laughs> is just, the, again, that whole idea of you're constantly being watched and mm-hmm. you're being recorded. It's creepy. And while you're being murdered, you're being recorded. And you're sometimes made to watch said murder happen. Like when he put her in the coffin to watch herself die, that's messed up. And you can go back, people will argue to maybe the first slasher in the 1960s with Peeping Tom mm-hmm. has a very similar premise. So you go, man, you know, almost 40, 50 some odd years later now, yeah. we're still exploring that avenue of horror because it's so real. Yeah. Nobody wants to get peeped on. Nobody, especially by some like big giant lummox in a metal mask. Like I said, and it's just I'm just curious, just how you know if he's really no wanting to make sure that again the content is good. You know, <laughs> yeah. does, does is there good composition, good lighting? He sets up like if you look closely, you'll see like the umbrellas with lighting. He's like, I think if he comes right here, All he's timing. His- you realize there's little X's for marks and everything. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, man. Chrome School is actually very you know committed here he's to his avant- craft. He's avant garde. <laughs> so, um, is mise-en-scene is there no what's the uh what's the uh oh my goodness uh oh it's that whole movement where you shoot with what you have it's natural lighting oh, yeah. dogma 95 is that it found footage yes yeah, so, <laughs> again we're not going to go higher it's class the here tapes. you know it's never the poo keepsy tapes it kind of is because like no it is like that no that bad but as you see like he's been doing it forever and he's got all these like different tapes it's kind of fucked up the mythology oh, that it makes it in just one little movie it just shows you this is not his first rodeo at mm-hmm. this time well i'm at this point i will like i said this is a film i normally wouldn't have sought out i'm and i'm glad i watched it that being said i'm not so captivated to the point that i want to follow up with the sequel because like i said a mean movie like this is normally not my thing mm-hmm. i'm glad i watched it mm-hmm. i'm glad it was able to contribute to the summer of the slashers because also i think it's good to give films like this a chance for a little bit more exposure yeah because even a you know again not a hardcore horror fan like myself but it's one i had never seen mm-hmm. so it's like a chance again to kind of again, see something new and that's the other thing no in advance this is a pretty harsher film you know the gratuity is in the violence but beyond that it's not a bad flick to put in the pantheon of slasher flicks Mm -hmm. i enjoy it now part two i'm hoping it's like aliens to alien not like there's like hundreds of chrome skulls but you know more bigger and bombastic you know with a bigger budget so well i mean even going to like the descent and the descent too it kind of gives it that feel but you mentioned there's someone that stars in Mm -hmm. the second laid to rest yeah little danielle harris is in there uh there's all sorts of there's all sorts of uh, goodies in Daniel. There's Brian Austin Green. So, but that's I'm, a curiosity, no doubt, no doubt. But like you said, it's a, it's interesting that it has laid laid the the path to a second one, if you will, mm-hmm. and it's got a franchise. And yeah. again, hats off to that, or in this case, the skull. Yeah, skull off. off. 
So final thoughts on uh, Laid to Rest before we get into a Rotten Reynolds recommendation. I think the good thing about Laid to Rest is he's an actually scary monster. I mean, he's a scary slasher. Because one, not only is he peeping on you for prosperity, but I would not want to fuck with him in a dark alley. You know? Again, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, though. He looks cool. (laughs) He looks cool. Him in a death fight, him versus Skeletron. It would work. It would work. I'd pay to see it. I'd pay to see it. No, this is definitely one. No in advance. It is definitely a product of 2009 and its meanness. But you'd be and it's a it's a nice lean 90 minutes. You could do worse on a Friday night. So definitely mm-hmm. check it out. But let's time here to a transition again. We like to keep things and uh, promote local here in the month of uh, excuse me the year of 20 th- 2019. And what better way to go to a Rotten Reynolds? Uh, Genius. What are Rotten Reynolds? Rotten Reynolds are these cool ass things. They're these like. Old school VHS clamshell clovers that you want to open up. But inside is not the movie, but these treasure trove of really cool things. There's figurines and trading cards and all sorts of stuff. And the clamshell itself is covered in these dope recreations of these classic movie posters in the old school VHS styles. It's super cool. Check them out at RottenReynolds.com and then peruse down to the P. And we're going to keep things in a coffin-centered, uh, mm-hmm. mortuary horror center. Coffin-centric. Yes, indeed. With the classic uh, 1979 Don Coscarelli Phantasm. Bored. Now, the version we're looking at here, because the traditional VHS poster is iconic. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. This is an alternate, and this is a wonderful alternate. Actually, check this one out. Oh, that's rad. I've always said, to me, Don Coscarelli is kind of an, an American Jallo filmmaker. Yeah. And this, the 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 alternate cover we're looking at here kind of has a Jallo feel, it doesn't totally it? It totally does. It totally does. Just like screaming and weirdness. It's got the screaming lady with her hands over her eyes, but mm-hmm. then eyes over the hands. And, you know, it's got the famous tagline, if this doesn't scare you. You're already dead. Phantasm is a film... I will say this, here in the month of October, we do a lot of screenings between the Alamo Drafthouse and Screenland. Odds are it might be showing up in one way or another. How long has it been since you've seen the original on the big screen? On the big screen, I think it was maybe the last time. I think it's been a couple of years. Because when Phantasm Ravager came out was around the time yeah, that then the 4K, 4K came out. I think it was about the 4K restoration time. So it's been the two years. Two, three years. Yeah. And that's a film I think. Ravager. Oh, yeah. We'll go back to us talking about that ill experience there. But this is a film I think that you could definitely revisit yearly. Oh, yeah. Because ultimately, much like kind of laid to rest, even as famous as Phantasm is, there are still a slew of horror fans that haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I know a lot of people that are hardcore horror fans, but they're just like, I just haven't for some reason gotten around to it. Uh-oh. The, the Jawas are going to be after him. Well, and that's isn't that kind of crazy, though? Yeah, that it a is. film so influential, that's and because, I think, by reputation. Mm-hmm. It's a weird movie. It is a weird movie, justly so. Because <laughs> like you said, I think when we did it for a one of our live podcasts for the, the game show we did, wasn't it something like your, your bad... This, explain a plot badly uh-huh. something along the lines of a uh it was a is a, a balding middle-aged ice cream man fights diab- diabolical demons and lecherous little people while a young boy plays an old man in his flying balls right right <laughs> which okay in and of itself i can understand if you don't want to see that film <laughs> But also, Phantasm is such an influential film, and you want to talk about, we, talk, we always talk about calling something Coscarelli-esque. Yeah. 
and it truly it just sets the template for it all. It gets weird just when you think you have it figured out. You're a hundred percent wrong. No, and that's the beauty of a film like that. Mm-hmm. And I think ultimately that's why when you seek it out and you introduce it to people, that's another one you have to know your audience. <laughs> yeah, Phantasm isn't necessarily horror one hundred and one. You don't want to also come out of the gate. You want to see something weird, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, could you? Well, then it would be interesting. Could you pair Phantasm with Laid to Rest? Ooh. That would be an interesting pairing. Given the settings, mm-hmm. on, but only the settings in yeah. that point. Because tonally, Phantasm isn't nece- it's not a slasher at all. No, but there is a lot of mortuary horror, a lot of like coffin-based shenanigans. And maybe if you built a movie marathon, like if you did 12 hours, six films of mortuary horror, I would definitely see Phantasm in with Laid to Rest. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Jawas, when you pull them back, they got the chrome skull faces. Oh, that would be a next That would be rad. That would be next level. That would be truly next level. But no, checking them out at RottenRentals.com. Uh, it's always worth not only the goodies inside, but man, the decoration that goes along with it. Recreate your your favorite VHS uh, rack back in the mm-hmm. day. Have a blockbuster in your basement. And the mom and pop in your basement. You can, mm-hmm. you can, you know what? You can have a room behind the beaded curtain. Ooh. So we will continue our look into some uh, slasher films here. What comes up next? You're just going to have to tune in next week to find out. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Dreams.